0: Time for the Thursday free for all on Beyond the, the Airways, The Infinity Project.
1: Good evening, everybody. It's Thursday night—or as I like to call it, Friday Eve—here at Beyond the Airways, The Infinity Project. And since it is Thursday, that means it's time for that Thursday free for all. We're going to have stories that'll make you laugh, think, cry, get angry, fire off a rant rocket, or five. As <laughs> yes, I do know, we Ooh. have some rant rocket material. I, anyway, I'm your host for tonight. I am Oddball Stream, and I'm currently joined online by two of my crazy cohorts. First, we have Red Ranger Tim. Good evening to you, sir. Good evening, Mattia. We also have our Asian magician on the line. Good evening to you, Mattia. Good evening, everybody. How went your day today? Pretty good. And we also have Ashley in the chat room as well. So, hello,
2: we got a nice
1: Ashley. Alright. Oh, here's Ray. Oh, do
2: uh, started.
1: Sorry, we're both tired. Oh, my. <laughs> Alright. Well, let's see. We've had a lot of stories popping up, like, in the last week or so. Especially since we didn't have a show. Since we did not have our show last week. <laughs> but let's see. There's a whole lot of things that J.J., Had posted, and let's see. There's a lot of them here, a lot, and some of these, some of these are rant rocket worthy too. But you know what?
2: I think rant rockets and feel good stories. You know what I'm gonna do?
1: Start with something funny. Okay. And that something funny is um. hmm. Send someone a chocolate dick.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Oh, my.
2: You thought oh, the buttholes yes, were Perfect chocolate replica of a penis. I saw the penis. Yeah. It is a perfect chocolate replica of a penis. Even right down oh, to the details of the hairy balls. Oh, my. Yeah. I'm
1: serious. That's how detailed it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. I'm kind of froze. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well. All right. Well, let's see. So, yes, this story is, in fact, real. If you thought the uh, chocolate buttholes was funny. We
2: got, hey. We had the
1: chocolate buttholes, now we have the other end. Yep. Oh, my. The other other part of the bottom end.
0: (laughs) Oh, my indeed.
1: All right, so. So, here's the question. Do you know any dicks deserving of a bittersweet lesson delivered to their door? Will your fish-loving colleague not stop chewing with their mouth open? Did your noisy neighbors play the entirety of the Greatest Showman soundtrack on repeat all week? How about the Tinder date who arrived late and chatted nonstop about the merits of post-Brexit Britain? Maybe you just think your friend is a bellend. I think that's obviously something bad. If you've answered no to all of the above questions, then congratulations. You live a charm life and can stop reading immediately because you have no need for the chocolate t- <laughs> For the chocolate dick this company are offering to send to an asshole oh my. on behalf of disgruntled customers. Oh my God, I love so the name of this company. company.
2: Surely, Look at the, the, so it sounds like the same company that gave us the chocolate asshole.
1: Yeah, uh, seriously, this is the um, this is the name of the company, Dick at Your Door. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> oh Let's see. Idiot. The folks who make edible prank products will charge you less than twenty dollars for the pleasure of telling someone, in no uncertain <laughs> terms, to eat a dick. <laughs> Let's see. Founder Adam oh, Haskell... I'd like to launch...
2: just see packaging, packaging, packaging this together. Big old chocolate pair of lips in the chocolate butthole. Politely telling a person to kiss my ass.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Well, anyway, founder Adam Haskell launched the company in 2014 after making chocolate peens in his garage with a friend before sending them to unaware pals as a hilariously sweet prank. Dig at your door... Now, this is... This is in quotes. Dick at your door started when a buddy found a silicone penis mold at a random sex shop on a cross-country drive. Thank you, Lincoln, Nebraska. (laughs) My buddy and I thought it would be hilarious to send chocolate dicks in the mail to our friends. We eventually threw up a website to continue the prank and people started reaching out that weren't our friends. That was the light bulb moment for us. From there, I was perfecting the molding process, finding a real chocolatier, and eventually becoming chocolatiers ourselves. Building a secure website that was legit, and going forth into the world of dicks and chocolate making. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Let's see. Oh
2: my God! Sounds, Thank sounds you, JJ. Like pro- sounds that like
0: article. a process. Sounds like a process that would be rather
1: hard. Oh! oh. Ooh, you win that one. <laughs> I'm, the I'm the winner. <laughs> I'm Yep. All right. A disclaimer oh. on the site says the chocolate appendages are not made for malicious intent or your game of edible psychological war. I mean physiological warfare, and should only be used as gag gifts. Unilad, which is where this is coming from, does not condone psychological warfare, but this writer guesses. All the meat swords – I love that one – all the meat swords are actually made using vegan milk chocolate in an unexpected twist if you're looking for a conscientious way to crack a dick joke. You can send one of the dicks with a little note to state your intentions with the gift, but that costs an extra $10 and rather ruins the enigmatic flavor of the, phall- of the phallus. The dicks come in festive incarnations oh depending my. on the pieces. The company do does a Valentine's Day special as well as a pumpkin spice flavor for a Halloween fright if that's your bag. Oh. <laughs> Moreover. Pumpkin yeah. price,
2: right? And this article is full of penis references. That's
1: Yep. Moreover, they designed one model named the Dawn, for which they donate one dollar from each sale towards research for prostate cancer. I'm giving points for that one. That's, getting, that's good. I'm giving points for
0: that.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's a fun way to do it.
1: Yeah, it exactly. <laughs> mhm. Oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs>
2: don't it. tell me the article gets worse.
1: No, no, that was the end of the article.
2: <laughs> oh, my. Well, that's good that they use the, um, you know, the. <clears throat> they're selling their, confec- their confections mm-hmm. for raise money for prostate cancer.
1: Right. Research. Yeah, they can do that. It's like a a a great prank, but still for a good cause too. <laughs> right.
2: And I and you know what? If you're a prude, don't pay attention to it. Yeah. Because, you know, we crack fart jokes and other assorted naughty jokes for crying out loud. Yeah. Nothing bothers us, does it? No. Nope. Yeah, like I said, they should get together and make the chocolate lips and the chocolate buttholes and send that to tell if you want to tell somebody to kiss your
1: ass. Mm hmm. Okay, now here's another here's another story that'll really make you laugh. Um, there's a song that John Cougar Mellencamp did. It's called Pink Houses. You know, there's the lyrics that go, "Little pink houses for you and me." Well, somebody in Texas decided to make his entire house pink. And we're talking. Must a oh John
2: Mellencamp fan.
1: Yeah, but this I'll tell you this. There's a pink house in Texas, but this is not. Little. Oh, Not by any means. So I saw this. I, oh, that's one I got to put in there. <laughs> yeah. look, at this, dude, look at the picture. Trust me. Sorry, you guys. Oh, I'll, I'll look my. at
2: it in the morning.
1: I'll I look at, at it in the right. morning.
2: I,
0: see, I saw it uh, earlier. When it was yeah. Oh, my. Is
1: all yeah. Mhm. Yeah. No HOA. Man makes an hi- entire house pink. Says neighbors can't do anything about it. So here's what's going on. This was posted on Tuesday, updated yesterday, and from Pflugerville, Texas. A Texas neighborhood is in an uproar over a Pepto-Bismol, full-on flamingo pink panther pink house. But the homeowner doesn't oh, care God, what neighbors that's the neighbors pink. Definitely yeah. not subtle, is it?
2: Definitely no. not subtle,
1: is it? Nope. Alright, well, anyway, um, let's see. The homeowner doesn't care what his neighbors or anyone else thinks. Emilio Rodriguez says, it's just my favorite color. Rodriguez bought his house in November when it had a plain shade of white. Now the walls are pink, the gutters are pink, the roof is pink, the chimney is pink. It's all pink. I did the back first, the whole back of the house, Rodriguez said. Then I did the whole house. Rodriguez loves pink so much, he showed off the large pink tattoos he has across his chest and neck. He said a house painted like this was his dream home, and he said annoyed neighbors aren't going to phase him. He chose his neighborhood particularly because there was no homeowners association to block him. <laughs> no HOA, no HOA. I preplanned this specifically because of that reason, he said, so when people get mad, I explain there is no HOA here. After a car accident and years of health problems left him in a wheelchair, Rodriguez says the pink house is part of the Keep Austin weird vibe. That's what people are saying. They're like, why are people so freaked out? Have they never been to Austin, he said? Neighbors who disagree may turn to a lawsuit to press the issue. Rodriguez, though, doesn't see the big deal. I love this house, he said. I don't know why people don't like it. Well,
2: different strokes. And it would probably fit in in Austin. That's his city motto, keep Austin weird. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I've never been to Austin that I can remember, so.
1: Yeah. Okay, now, um, now, what were you did hear, let's see, there was that tornado that hit on Sunday down in Beauregard that killed the one that killed 23 people. Well, believe it or not, there was one home <clears throat> directly in the path of the tornado. It was left virtually untouched. Oh my. It was in the path and it did not suffer any damage. Wow. Somebody must have built that house DIRTY. You get yeah, cuz that's that, cuz that's like wow. I see that's like holy. Of God. Uh-huh. All right. Well, anyway, uh, this was actually posted. This was literally posted like less than thirty minutes ago.
0: Oh my!
1: Yeah, but here's the story. Mark Mangiaf- Fico, I hope I pronounced his name right. Has lived in Lee County for forty years and has lived in his current house for twenty. His house was in the direct path of Sunday's tornado. I may mean, have twenty threes left. St- <laughs> I might have 20 trees left standing, and I've got 20 acres of trees that were huge, he said. Every one of them is snapped off. His house, however, was left virtually untouched. No wind damage on the house except for a couple of pieces of plastic. It's unbelievable, he said. Everything was fine. The only thing that happened in the house was a little picture fell over on the mantel. He called it a miracle. That Let's exactly
2: have- is a miracle. Mm-hmm. That we have a little a well-built house.
1: Yep. We had a little dog that we had left out in the pen out in the the back, and I called my wife and I said, I don't think the dog is going to make it, he said. I told her that every tree is down, and I doubt the dog made it. Moments later, he turned around around and head back inside his home. About the time he turned around, here comes that little dog just as happy as he could be, wagging his tail, you know. So the dog was okay, too. Oh, yeah, now that's a miracle, too. Mm Mm-hmm. He said, the amount of support he has received since the tornado is overwhelming. I don't know any of them, and they're just coming here with their saws and their things and just started cleaning and cutting, and it's been overwhelming. He said, I have no idea who they are or where they've come from. There's been hundreds, literally hundreds of people out here bringing us food, bringing us tarts, bringing us anything we want. I mean, you know, it's just incredible. Many of it's those who have so helped – el- Go ahead. A so-
2: it's a – a – I have seen that on the show, tornado, shows about tornadoes that I've watched on TV. It's people helping people. It doesn't matter whether you know the person or not.
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: get out there and you help. hmm That's just the way.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of kids going for spring break, they may want to do something to help, you know? As a lot of kids uh-huh. are doing that now, are doing that more than going to the beach. Uh-huh. Let's see. Anyway, uh, many of those who have helped him and his family are volunteers for the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief. They do it because they care about people and because of what Jesus has done for them. They are going to be here long enough to get the work done, Mark Wakefield with the Alabama Baptist State Board of Missions said. Everything around his house, every tree around it just about is down, and the house is intact, so we're trying to give him a little more space. Magnet. Magne- Mangia Fico considers himself lucky and thankful for the outpouring of love and support he's received so that's a good thing uh, let's see the Ports <laughs> Band of Creek Indians have also donated $184,000 for the funerals of tornado victims
2: yeah, so, whoa. now that's touching too
1: yeah it is because here's the thing, uh remember the there was that tornado that hit with back in January. They wanted to give twenty five thousand dollars to the uh I think it was the first Presbyterian Church, but the church gave it back because they felt like it might have been a conflict, which I can understand that uh, so that's
2: yeah it, it, to them, it would have been considered hypocrisy, right. They don't believe in gambling, and yet they accept donations from a casino. Yeah. I can see that, but.
1: Yeah, I can see the point on that too.
2: So can I.
1: Okay. Huge me. I'm sorry. All right. Let's see. Now, there's a whole lot of stories here that uh, could be worthy of rant rockets. All right. Let's see. I'm going to start with this one first. Okay. Uh, you recall that there was a man who bought $540 worth of cookies to save Girl Scouts from the cold weather, right? Turns out the guy is a drug dealer.
0: Oh, my.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it turns out the man is a drug dealer. It's like, oh, you gotta be kidding. And guess what? There's JJ. Hey, JJ. Hi,
2: JJ. JJ.
1: Yeah, and you're going to have to excuse this long link, so. All right. And this is courtesy of VT News, and this was posted just two days ago on March 5th. Uh, let's see. One act of kindness between a good Samaritan and a pair of Girl Scouts selling cookies soon turned into a viral story last month with thousands sharing the heartwarming tale. Emerson and Maya were selling cookies on a cold night outside a grocery store in Greenville, South Carolina when their evening was greatly improved by a passing van. The unnamed stranger bought seven boxes, which amounted to $40, selling them to keep the change. In a since slated Facebook post, Carla, Car, Carlia Carlya Dillard explained that he re- then returned to the table telling them to pack up all your cookies. I'm taking them all so y'all can get out of this cold. According to Dillard, he eventually spent $540 on cookies, and she, as she shared this on the social media post, along with the photo of the man alongside the two girls, "What an amazing soul!" It was about 34 degrees outside that night, and we were there for about two hours already before he came. Diller told CNN, "We were all shocked. The girls were very excited and thankful. At the time, the man went unidentified, but that soon changed. Now we know the helpful stranger to be Detrick McGowan, although he has made the news for something far less wholesome." McGowan was recently arrested on federal drug charges with authorities taking him in on Tuesday morning. These charges include conspiracy to manufacture and distribute heroin, cocaine, and fentanyl. The released indictment reveals that along with 10 others, McGowan conspired to import drugs from Mexico into the United States and that when the group was arrested, over $1 million in cash was confiscated. So the Girl Scouts have said they to discover the unfortunate turn of events in South Carolina. It is unclear whether the money he gave them is now linked to the case or whether they'll have to give it over to the authorities due to its connection to his operation. In a statement, the organization concluded, and, and this is their words, We want to assure the public that all of our girls are currently safe, that all proper safety protocols were followed during the sale, and that at no time were any of our girls or volunteers threatened. The troop had no way of knowing who they were dealing with and every reason to assume a good Samaritan wanted to help power amazing Girl Scout experiences through the Girl Scout cookie program. An official from the DEA confirmed that the release of the viral photo was coincidentally taken close to the date of his arrest and played no part in identifying the suspect. McGowan was arrested at his home in Lawrence County, South Carolina, after a grand jury case began investigating in 2018. In addition to his arrest, cash and other assets were seized from the defendant. McGowan has reportedly been charged with eight drug-related counts, including conspiracy to import controlled substances, conspiracy to possess with intent to distribute controlled substances, and the distribution of heroin.
2: Bad person does good. Unfortunately, he had the the answer to the shit he pulled.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and our friend the Joker, he usually just come on on Thursday. He says, Have a great Sunday night. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Yep. You
2: have a yeah. nice one, too, Mr. Joker.
0: Yep.
1: Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm getting tired already.
0: Oh, bye.
1: Yeah. Yeah, let's see. Uh, let's see. We need something rant rocket worthy and I
0: think... Yeah,
1: we... Let's see. How about this one? Um, I posted this one earlier. Um, somebody posing as law enforcement is taking advantage of tornado survivors. In other words... He pretended to be law enforcement, went to a house, was supposed to investigate it. He robbed the house. Oh, bye. That's yeah. a double-rent rocket. No,
0: no, no. Oh, That's yeah. an extreme. That's
1: an extreme. Yeah, well, I'm going to post the link first, then I'll, I'll fire off yon extreme rent rocket. And J.J. said, hello, Shirley and Janet. Hello to you, too, J.J.
2: Hola, JJ. Como está, mi amiga?
1: Alright, now that that's settled, now I can fire the Extreme Rant Rocket, so. Fire! Fire! Posted this afternoon So And here's the story This is out of Lee County You know the same county that got hit on Sunday Investigators in Lee County are trying to track someone Track down someone who posts as law enforcement Only to steal from victims The district attorney is also investigating A report of possible price gouging So here's what's going on Oh my uh, District Attorney Brandon Hughes tells tell, Told um, WBRC That's a Birmingham station on Monday, someone came into a home in Beauregard posing as law enforcement searching for survivors only to rob the place. Hughes is also investigating a report of a hotel in the Lee County area that supposedly went up on their prices for storm survivors. I don't think you're supposed to be doing that. No. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, hell. Enterprise
2: Rent-A-Car. We have spring training in Goodyear.
1: Enterprise uh-huh.
2: Rent-A-Car. When Karen came, my friend, our family friend Karen came down, uh-huh. went up from like, I'm not sure of the low end price, $25, $30 a day, uh-huh. up to 100 do over $100 a day.
1: Okay, that's gouging. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I know seventies to file a complaint about that one. But anyway, uh Hughes didn't hold back when talking about the people who take advantage of people who are trying to get back on their feet. Whether it's a business raising prices, whether it's somebody coming in and representing themselves as one thing simply to steal money. We have an instance of somebody posing as law enforcement to come into a house and search for survivors only to rob the place while the person is standing there. That's a special kind of evil and there's a special excuse my language there's a, but there's a special place in hell for people that will do that, Hughes said. And, um, and the devil a will number, be
2: waiting there with the pitchfork, too.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. And by the way, that tornado wasn't confirmed, EF4, winds of 170 miles an hour.
0: Oh, my.
1: Yeah. And in relating news to you that... you know what? Oh, go ahead. Despite that EF4...
2: There were fewer deaths than I expected from it. I think the final death count was twenty-three.
1: Twenty-three, correct.
2: I personally expected a lot more.
1: Mhm. Well, here's the well. Here's the interesting. Here's some interesting I did not know. Um, the entire WSFA First Alert Weather Team was recognized by the Washington Post. Nice
2: way to go, WSFA.
1: Yep. That's why I like to call it But yeah, because I saw it, it's like, man, that is huge. And um I'm gonna post that because it's like they're it's like they were the heroes on Sunday afternoon. And it's like I, I someone actually the video is now on YouTube covering that tornado. There's one point where Josh Johnson says, Stop what you're doing, get in your safe place now. Your life could be in jeopardy. Your life is in jeopardy. It's like, oh my God, that is serious.
2: Who's I mean, the, the dude with the suspenders? Who's That's the guy James with the suspenders?
1: James Fan is in North Alabama. Josh Johnson's our chief meteorologist at WSFA. Right. I but, like the I mean, suspender. Yeah. Yeah, the rule of thumb is the rule of thumb is this: if James Fan is seen in his suspenders, the weather's getting serious. Yeah, but anyway, let's see. Here it is. Yeah, the headline. The headline basically reads as simple as it gets. Calm yet serious forecasters credited with saving lives during deadly Alabama tornado. And the first thing you see there is like a whole thirty-nine minute video covering this thing but anyway uh here's the story when disaster strikes it can help to feel as if you're not going through it alone having a voice of reason to guide you to safety can be the difference between life and death while acting as a source of reassurance that will get you through it sunday's catastrophic tornadoes in lee county alabama were no exception and that voice was coming from josh johnson johnson of course is the chief meteorologist at wsfa tv the nbc affiliate in montgomery He has served in that role since 2015, appearing nightly in 230,000 households across the Black Belt and River region of central Alabama. Johnson anchored, whoops, that should be Sunday afternoons, not Sunday nights, um, uh, tornado coverage with meteorologist Eric Snettle, Amanda Curran, and Lee Southwick. It was coverage that probably proved life-saving for many Alabama residents, and it blew away veteran broadcast meteorologists with its clarity, thoroughness, and calm yet serious tone. And I'm not kidding about this. I read this whole article, and you'd be amazed. Some of the meteorologists from across the country put in their words on it. I had a bad feeling about that storm all along, Johnson wrote to the Washington Post. I made the decision to go on the air before any tornado warning was issued for this storm, which isn't something we do unless we are very concerned. He continued, rotation quickly intensified as the storm moved out of Macon County and into Lee County. It quickly became apparent that we were dealing with a significant tornado. Gary Lezak, a longtime chief meteorologist at KSHB in Kansas City, raved about the coverage. They did an incredible job of creating no doubt that this was a serious and strong tornado, Lezak wrote. The tone was strong and authoritative. You believe the entire team. In the clip posted to YouTube, the urgency ramps up as it becomes clear that it's no run-of-the-mill tornado. If we have a tornado, it's in here, Johnson says, gesturing toward the tip of the hook echo on a radar display of the storm. In severe weather situations, clear graphics are key. The color table used to plot intensities of rain and hail made the storm's uh, storm structure obvious. The graphics were clear and convincing, wrote Dan Satterfield, chief meteorologist at WBOC TV in Salisbury, Maryland. Paul Gross of WDIV. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, ouch! You're cute. Sorry about that. Oh, God. You're right, Tim? Sorry. Yeah. <coughs> okay. Ooh.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, man. Okay. I'm all right now. I have a little headache,
0: but I'm okay otherwise.
1: Yeah. Yeah, be, yeah, be careful when you do that, Janet, because sometimes that kind of noise can boom, especially in a cell phone. Okay. Anyway, Uh back to this. Now I got my head straight again. Paul Gross of WDIV TV in Detroit agreed, adding, anybody watching knew exactly where the tornado was, where it was going, and what they needed to do. This is as good as it gets. Tension builds in the video when it's apparent that a bad tornado is inevitable. This might be one of the strongest signatures we've seen all day, says Johnson, tossing to Eric Snydle. Yeah, Snydel says, this thing may be on the precipice of producing a strong tornado. And there's Eric Snydle right there. The camera then locks on Seno, who warns these are the ty- kinds of setups that produce the big, bad tornadoes. Seno offers arrival times for the couplet of intense rotation, glancing sideways out of the shot ever so often, appearing increasingly concerned with what he's seeing. Finally, he locks signs with Johnson. Boy, Josh, I'm just looking out of the corner of my eye at, at the way Barron has this. Uh, Baron's the radar system they use, by the way. Uh, wow. Barron is a vendor that specializes in preparing National Weather Service weather data for on-air use. It's that sort of live reaction and genuine emotion that played a big part in the success of Sunday's coverage. Authenticity and relatability are the best way to convey urgency. If you feel compelled delivering coverage of a tornado, those watching that coverage will feel compelled to act, too. Everyone who has done this sort, this kind of coverage in a situation like that has a lead weight in their stomach, Satterfield wrote. You know that people are about to die. You search for worse against to do something and hope you find the right ones. Although Sunny's death toll marked the most for a tornado in nearly six years, it could have been much worse. Deep down, I knew some people were not going to survive this tornado, Johnson wrote. That is a terrible, terrible feeling. But it was important to compartmentalize my emotions so that I could invest 100% of my mental and emotional effort into communicating the danger the tornado presented. My role and the role of my team was to minimize that death toll to the best of our ability. In the coverage, Johnson calls out specific roads, announcing when the circulation would arrive at each. Many viewers can't locate themselves on a television map, which is true, and many broadcasters fail to remember this, but Johnson's decision to tell viewers where in each street neighborhood would be affected was vital. Before long, he pulls up a plot of correlation coefficient, a radar-derived product that shows the shapes of objects in the atmosphere. Oh, wow, says Johnson, explaining what the ominous blue blob means. It's the eeriest radar signature you'll ever see, the part of debris violently being tossed about miles above the ground. That's when you know it's as bad as it gets. I'll tell you what, your life may be in danger, says Johnson, pointing to streets downwind of the monster tornado. Rather, your life is in danger. Well, Actually, his words were, your life could be in jeopardy. No, your life is in jeopardy. The radar remains uncluttered, echoing Josh's tone. This is it. It's a matter of life and death. The data was clear, Johnson said in hindsight. The tougher part was to communicate the danger in a way that motivated people to take cover immediately. After 20 minutes of tracking the funnel's every move, it becomes clear to Johnson and his team that the Twister has finally disappeared. But the threat's not over. We have another storm about to move over the exact same areas that were just hits, Nidal says, and it's true. This would go on to produce another large tornado that would churn at times only a mile south of the path left by the first. I did not know about the second one. I can only imagine how many lives were saved by Josh Lee and Eric, Gross wrote. This is the moment that all broadcast meteorologists hope they never face, but learn and train their entire careers to excel at. Scott Duff, who's WSFA's news director, was humbled by the outpouring of kindness the community showed in the wake of Sunday's tragedy. The community was very appreciative of our coverage and the accuracy we provided, he wrote. Once viewers saw the tornado damage, donations began pouring in. Our generous viewers came together to raise nearly $117,000. The station teamed up with the Red Cross to produce a Together for Alabama relief drive, and other stations across the state were doing it too. We have earned the community's trust, Duff wrote. The team at WSFA may, find it, may again find itself covering severe storms over the weekend. Storm Prediction Center expects to wave of low pressure to spawn severe th- storms Saturday, concentrated over southwest Tennessee, northern Mississippi, and west-central Alabama. The th- will shift east on Sunday, stretching from the Carolinas through Georgia and eventually to hard-hit areas of southern Alabama. Johnson is prepared for whatever Mother Nature throws his way, ready to draw upon the lessons learned Sunday. We can't bring those people back, but we will make sure they didn't die in vain, he wrote. We will study this event, we will learn what worked and what didn't work, and we'll never stop working to make sure we are better for the next violent tornado that strikes Alabama. It's not if, it's when, and we will be ready. So. I mean, that is just, I mean, what happened was serious. And what I'm going to do is I've actually found the YouTube video. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to copy it. You can watch it whenever you want. You do not have to watch it right now because it's nearly 40 minutes. I won't, I,
2: like
1: I said, I'll watch the link tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, you can, like, watch them whenever you want. You don't have to watch them right here or now, so. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, but there's somebody I'm surprised that hasn't come on yet because of the simple fact that, um, you know, there's this thing going on with Michael Jackson, and what is it, Leaving Neverland? Is that the name of that documentary?
2: Yes, I believe it was. Mhm.
1: But yeah, but yeah, in the wake in the wake of what's going on, some stations are actually stopping playing Michael Jackson songs. So uh, well Now me, I've never I do not have HBO, so I don't know what this documentary looks like. So I'm gonna personally keep myself out of this. I'm here because ah uh, excuse me because um, because I have not seen it, I have no idea, so I should not be talking about anything that um you know doesn't make sense, okay, now, here's another story that'll probably require a rant rocket. And this is posted by JJ. How would you like this? Postman caught repeatedly pepper spraying small rescue dog. Oh my!
2: On a floor, you asshole!
1: You know, you know how I think it's about uh, dogs and male dogs and mailmen don't get along very well.
2: Yeah, I've asked our mail carrier, you know, I asked him if he's ever been bothered by dogs. He says once or twice twice he's gotten barked at but never attacked.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so... This is one JJ posted as well. Now, there's no date on it, so I really don't know when this happened. But anyway, um, a postman has a caught on camera routinely pepper spraying a local family's small rescue pup. So here's what's going on. The devastated Galindo family were uh, were only alerted to the alleged animal abuse after repeatedly seeing a strange stain on the front drive of their California home. The dog's father, Alfonso Galindo, decided to investigate and so installed security cameras on the exterior of his family's house. After reviewing the footage, this is what Alfonso found. The footage shows his family's beloved seven-year-old rescue, Poopa writhing around in pain as a postman exits the approach of the Galindo house in San Diego. While on closer inspection, the father of two, not a noticed the postman appeared to spray something from a canister at the poodle's face after the dog barks excitedly from behind a secure gate. The video then shows Poopa rubbing her sore face and eyes against the pavement in a clear bid to rear herself of the rewardly pepper spray-like material contained in the canister. Having watched more footage from the security camera, Galindo says Poopa convulses in some sort of ritual pain when the postman passes their gate on at least nine different occasions. He told Fox 5, and this is his words Never did I suspect the mailman. Never did I suspect someone that you trust with your mail, with your packages. It was heartbreaking. It was really heartbreaking. I'm at a loss for words. It makes me sick to my stomach. In hindsight, he says he remembers noticing the dog's eyes were bloodshot, but thought nothing of it at the time as the redness cleared up pretty quickly. To make matters worse, Glenda says two of his children, Alfonso Jr. 3 and Regina 1, have developed respiratory problems after regularly interacting with Pupa. He believes his children's health issues are related to the chemicals in the canister contents used on Pupa, staying on the dog's fur, although this hasn't been confirmed by a medical professional as of yet. Speaking to WDSU, the upset dad concluded, I get livid thinking about it. This is the health of my children. I believe what he's done to my family is criminal. Galindo complained to the USPS last week after making the discovery last Tuesday. The delivery company issued a statement following an internal investigation. On behalf of the United States Postal Service, we want to apologize to the Galindo family and Pupa. We do not condone our employees behaving in a manner which is not professional and courteous. The appropriate personnel and corrective action will be taken as well as training given to all local letter carriers. The mailman in question remains unidentified to the public.
2: Dog lovers get
1: on his ass if he was identified. Yep. <sighs> oh,
2: good gracious.
1: Okay, right. now here's yeah. a. All right, all right. I actually, got another good news story. <laughs> how's like th- how's like to be like this high school senior? she's been accepted to go to college in 39 different places 39 colleges have accepted her so it's like oh boy I wonder which college she's gonna go to so let's see let's get that there let's get that here but yeah This was posted yesterday, updated today. So, this is out of Douglas County, Georgia, courtesy of Fox 5 Atlanta. A Douglas County high school senior will soon have a big decision to make. Jordan Nixon, 17, has been accepted to 39 colleges and universities. She is trying to determine which one she will attend. I wanted to challenge myself, says Nixon. Let's see. That was the most important thing for me, just to show others anything is possible and that anyone can accomplish it, too. Which is true. She's right. Additionally, listen to this part: the schools has off- the schools have offered her more than 1.6 million dollars in scholarships. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. She doesn't impressive. Going to
2: college for the rest of her life. She could use all that scholarship money, to go to mm-hmm. each one of the colleges of her choice.
1: Yeah, but anyway, Nixon, who served as co-captain of her school's cheerleading team and is a member of the Chick-fil-A Leadership Academy, says her first acceptance letter came from Grambling State University. The honor student told Fox 5's Carrie Charles advice for students her age. Don't invest yourself in social media because at the end of the day, what does it do for you, said Nixon. You just need to do something yourself and don't pay attention to what others say. She's got that right. Nixon hasn't decided on which school she plans to attend But she does plan to study International business And I feel like if she plays her cards right She could be president in about 20 years President of the United States in 20 years Oh
0: yes Yeah.
2: Anyway, next article.
0: Let's uh, can see. I, can I go ahead and do mine before we forget about oh, it? Oh
1: yes. Oh yeah. That's right. You do have something. I wanted to delay. I wanted to delay doing mine because
0: I was still finishing up my dinner. But
1: uh, I got actually uh, two
0: articles on effectively the same subject, or the subject and the link subject. And this is something that was posted today on Polygon.
1: That. Okay.
0: Funny. I have not. I have not shared this with the group, if you could put this in the chat room for me, I appreciate that.
1: All right. Uh, hold on. How many? How many of you are Disney fans? Um, I'm gonna say kind of, sorta. Not really big, big, but. Have you seen a
0: lot of Disney movies throughout your lifetime?
1: Yes, Some, I have. The latest and
0: greatest, from the golden oldies. Yeah, and are you familiar with Disney's vaults? And what yes, that's like? yes. What if I what if I told you you could just safely disregard the vault here on out? I I
1: I have read that. Yeah, I've actually read it we, somewhere. We, so yes.
0: Yeah, uh, in, in the past we talked about Disney uh, launching their own streaming service.
1: Mhm. Well,
0: today they they provide a bit more information on that in particular, that Disney's new streaming service will include, and I quote, the entire Disney Motion Picture Library. Mm -hmm. And I emphasize the word entire. So here's the story. Disney's streaming service called Disney Plus will be launching later this year. Shortly after it does, CEO Bob Iger says it will contain the entire Disney motion picture library. That means the iconic Disney vault is effectively dead. Disney's catalog of films dates back to the 1920s. and includes cultural touchstones such as Dumbo and Snow White, alongside modern classics like Frozen and Zootopia. But traditionally, Disney has only made individual titles available on home video for limited periods of time. Once the run of The Little Mermaid on Disney DVD and Blu-ray has sold through, for instance, it's back into the vault until it's released again. Once Disney Plus goes online, however, hear uh, says that the marketing trick will simply fade away. From today's investor meeting held in St. Louis, and I, and I quote from that the service, which I mentioned earlier, is going to launch later in the year, it is going to combine what we call library product, movies, and television with a lot of original products as well, movies and television. And at some point fairly soon after launch, it will house the entire Disney motion picture library. So the movies that you speak of that traditionally have been kept in a vault and brought out basically every few years will be on the service. And then, of course, we're producing a number of original movies and original television shows as well that will be Disney branded. Shows confirmed as coming to Disney Plus include a live action Star Wars series called The Mandalorian, which will be directed by John Favreau of Iron Man and Iron Man 2, who gave voice mm-hmm. to Rio Durant in Solo, a Star Wars story. Eicher also stressed that newer films will find a home on Disney Plus within a year of their theatrical release. It's going to combine both the old and the new, Eicher continued. All the films that we're releasing this year, starting with Captain Marvel, will also be on the service. No release date for Disney Plus has been announced, but it is scheduled to launch sometime this year. Now, before I go on to, quote, part two, end quote, that sounds like a pretty hefty deal just by Disney's own standards. I mean, we're, yeah. we're accustomed to how many years? Oh, we'll just bring this out for a little while, and we'll just shove it in the vault and forget about it for a couple of years. you of know it's time for a new generation to experience it and bring it back out. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, that thought that process is actually going to lead us into part two, which is kind of directly related to that. So, if Disney's going to launch their streaming service, what does that mean for people who subscribe to Netflix? Ah. Which, as you know, currently has Disney stuff on it. So, we're mm-hmm. going to follow up with another pair, uh, polygon article posted uh, last February. And the reason this is, you know, a year old you have to remember that this is going to include a number of things that are still not yet finished. Mm -hmm. So, for a while now, Disney has been publicly discussing plans to take its movies off of Netflix and use them to launch a streaming service of its own. Disney chairman and CEO Bob Iger reiterated the company's strategy during an investor call yesterday, confirming that films from the Disney library won't leave Netflix anytime soon, and that the company is still figuring out how to handle its content from its pending acquisition of much of 21st Century Fox. Let's sort out the ways in which this will affect your access to all this stuff. Now, bear in mind that acquisition and all that, that's all still in, in progress. That's not done yet. So mm-hmm. the, even though the article is a year old, it's still very relevant. Disney and Netflix signed their current agreement back in 2012, giving Netflix the exclusive U.S. rights to Disney films during what is known as the pay TV window, a movie's first availability on TV after it hits DVD, Blu-ray, and digital home video platforms. The movies in question include content from Walt Disney Studios, such as Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, Disney animations such as Moana and Zootopia, Pixar, such as Finding Dory and Cars 3, Marvel Studios, such as Captain America Civil War, and Lucasfilm, such as Rogue One, a Star Wars story. The deal did not take effect for new films until 2016, which is why Netflix currently offers 2017's Guardians of the Galaxy Vol. 2, but not its 2014 predecessor, and 2016's Rogue One, but not 2015's Star Wars The Force Awakens. Disney and Netflix also signed a separate simultaneous deal for catalog titles, such as 1941's Dumbo and 1998's Mulan. All of that will change in the near future. Disney announced last August, that being August of 2017, that it planned to end its licensing agreement with Netflix and pull some of its content off the service so it can launch its own streaming platform. Here's what that means. Uh, The first bullet, Disney's deal with Netflix will end up covering films released in theaters from 2016 through 2018, and a Netflix spokesperson told Polygon in August that the company will retain streaming rights to the movies in question through 2019. In other words, Netflix subscribers in the U.S. will still be able to stream films, such as Rogue One, until at least the beginning of 2020. I noted during the investor call that Netflix will have rights to the films that were made in 16, 17, and 18 for quite a long period of time thereafter, and said that Disney will also get a window to stream those movies itself during that time. The existing deal would cover recent theatrical releases such as Thor Ragnarok and Star Wars The Last Jedi, plus upcoming films like Black Panther and Incredible 2. Everything from Disney that hits theaters in 2019 and beyond, whether it's from Disney itself, Lucasfilm, Marvel, or Pixar, will appear on Disney's own streaming service. Disney is targeting a launch in late 2019 and has not announced pricing, but Eicher has suggested that it will be substantially below the $10.99 monthly cost of a Netflix subscription. Scheduled 2019 movies from Disney include Captain Marvel and the untitled sequel to Avengers: Infinity War, Toy Story 4, Frozen 2, live-action adaptations of Aladdin, Dumbo, The Lion King, and Mulan, and Star Wars Episode 9. Iger previously announced that Marvel and Star Wars films will be available exclusively on Disney streaming service along with multiple television projects that are currently in development, a live-action Star Wars series, a Marvel show, a series based on Pixar's Monsters, Inc. franchise, and a high school musical show. That doesn't mean that Disney plans to make everything exclusive to its streaming platform in the future, whether that content is distributed by Disney-owned platforms or by third-party partners. Marvel Television's Five Defenders series will continue to stream on Netflix, and barring a precipitous drop in ratings, it's hard to imagine Disney pulling Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from ABC as put it on the streaming service. Eicher noted yesterday that Disney's streaming service won't compete with Netflix in terms of the sheer number of titles available. Disney also has a $52.4 billion acquisition, That's would have of most Mm -hmm. of Fox's film and television production and distribution businesses in the works. Where will that stuff go? We'll talk at a later date about our intentions regarding the Fox Studio output that I heard during the call, but obviously Hulu is a possibility in that regard. The acquisition would give Disney 60% ownership of the streaming service, and it wouldn't make sense for the company to make Fox. Content exclusive to the same streaming platform as Disney film. Iger previously suggested that Fox is more adult-oriented fare. Fans.
1: Bless you.
0: Thank you. That Fox's more adult-oriented fare may be better suited to Hulu. It's easy to see a world in which the Disney streaming platform serves as the home for all ages' entertainment while grown-up content from Disney and Fox lives on Hulu. Whatever happens, the Fox acquisition holds a lot of potential and would give Disney a lot of options. It's ultimately our intention, and this acquisition clearly will enable this even more, to create and to ultimately grow a global, direct-to-consumer business that will take advantage of the production output that the combined companies will have, whether it's on the television side or on the network side said Iger. Iger added that Disney hopes to expand its production capabilities for both film and television to support multiple platforms, and in particular, direct-to-consumer businesses that we own. After all, Disney-rated service for films and TV shows is just one streaming platform that the company is working on. Disney streaming service for sports, ESPN+, will go live this spring, and of course, again, that was in February of last year, so I don't know if that's up yet or not. Iger announced yesterday that it will cost $4.99 per month and it will exist as an add-on within a completely overhauled ESPN app. Iger said ESPN Plus will feature thousands of hours of programming from leagues such as MLB, MLS, and the NHL, and from more niche sports like tennis, boxing, golf, rugby, and cricket. It will also offer the full ESPN Films library, including the celebrated 30 for 30 documentary series and high-quality original content developed exclusively for the platform. If everything works out according to Iger's grand plan, Disney will be poised to control a massive chunk of the entertainment universe. But hey, at least we'll still be able to watch Moana on Netflix for a couple more years.
1: (laughs) Yep, that's true. So,
0: basically, the way what it looks like is that we're going to have a, it's gonna be like a Disney
1: explosion
0: here. I think the biggest aspect of all is the fact that the new service, when it does launch, per mm-hmm. the article day today, is going to have everything on it. Nothing is going to be in the vault. Uh-huh. And I think that's key, and I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Because I think people should be free to always... Go back and watch Dumbo if they want, or Snow White, or Bambi, whatever. Or in my case, and I'm not ashamed to say this on the air either, The Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. I actually saw that in the theater when it first came out. Yes, I still like it to this day, and I'm 40 years old. Don't laugh. But I think the fact that they're not going to be shutting these titles off for five years, 10 years, whatever, I think that's going to be key. And that's going to mean some stuff is going to move off of Netflix. But at least we know that Disney's plans, at least as of a year ago, were to keep it going as long as possible before making it more or less exclusive. And then that $52.4 billion acquisition of Fox, remember that's also going to include things like The Simpsons. Oh, boy. Mm Mm-hmm. Wonder what Disney's
1: gonna do with that. Yeah. Well here's mm-hmm. gonna be my that's big question stuff. about this. They said the whole vault. There is one there's one movie that um that has never been released. Song of the South. Uh-huh.
0: And I think that's going to be the lone exception, I think, mm-hmm. to all of us.
1: Yeah. Because
0: of the fact that it's never been released.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, but judging by the clock, that was a good way to end the end the show, I, I think. Mhm. So if, if you're like me and you're a Disney fan, even if not as much as you were when you were a child, this is a reason to celebrate. Mhm. But it looks
1: like I just found I was finding an article about you know Song of the South. It looks like um, Fortune believes the chances of seeing it on Disney streaming service are pretty much zip. Um, it was groundbreaking when it was released, but chances are it will never see the light of day again. So that could, that's probably going to be the one exception.
0: But it will probably be the only exception.
1: Yep. Well, anyway, anyway, we are almost out of time already. So, of course, tomorrow night is Friday. Got my four shows to review. And then it's Naughty Mad for the rest of the night. I can't so, wait. Br- yeah, me Sorry, too. Stevie
0: Sorry, Stevie Nicks. I
1: can't wait. hmm Like the long, the new shoes. Baby, I, I can't wait. But anyway, we're going to wrap things up here for tonight. So... Please remember to follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and follow us at our website, com. If you ever missing an the episode, there are three ways to catch up. First, there's a Stitcher.com app available on iTunes, Google Play, and the Amazon Kindle Store. Second, you can listen to or download full episodes of the show from blogtalkradio.com. And finally, you can find us on iTunes. Just do a search on the podcast for Beyond the Airways, and you'll find many of our episodes there. So with that in mind, I'm going to say love, peace, and chicken grease. Everybody have a great night, sleep well, stay safe, and we'll see you tomorrow for the all-out review of Naughty Mad lip Show. All right, that is all for tonight. But before we go, you know what we do here. <laughs> Oops, wait a minute, there we
2: go. You, m- I almost had him. I
1: <laughs>
0: had him. I almost had him. <laughs> you stuttering prick, you.
1: Shut up. That's one. Ooh. Number two. I am vengeance.
0: I am the night. I am.
1: And finally, number three.
0: This is the voice of the Mysterons. We know you can hear us, Earthmen.
1: Shut up! (laughs) All right. That's it for tonight. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Night, y'all.
0: Yeah.